0: I I was reading this morning, and I I read that on Saturday nights, when Charles Spurgeon was preparing his Sunday morning sermon, his wife, Susanna, would sit and read commentaries to him as he prepared, and uh, the the pastor who wrote about this said, I went and said to my wife, you don't read commentaries to me. She said, well, you're not Charles Spurgeon, so... (laughs) I'm I'm no Charles Spurgeon but we'll we will do what we can. We're continuing on our study of Hebrews 11 and of course we're going to begin then in Genesis chapter 22. If you'll take your Bibles and turn there. Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 through 14. Moses writes this Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him on the third day Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance Abraham said to his young men stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and he took in his hand the fire and the knife So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there, And arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the scripture, for preserving it for these thousands of years and delivering it into our hands, nurturing us and feeding us on it this morning. We ask that you would build our faith, that you would challenge us this morning, that you would encourage us and strengthen us as we follow you. Call us to a greater love, Call us to a greater faith in you today. And we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. That's abundantly clear. We're told that in the very first verse of chapter 22. We're going to see that in Genesis 11, or, uh, Hebrews 11.17 as well. That God tested Abraham. Why does God test Abraham? Moses says later on in Exodus 16, 4, when he's speaking to the people in the wilderness, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. Why is he testing them? Whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Later on in Exodus chapter 20, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. God gets to test us. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16 says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So we don't get to test God. He gets to test us. The testing that he does with Abraham uh, is, is very obviously a test to see who Abraham fears. What does Abraham fear? Who does Abraham love? What has the influence over Abraham's life? What would shift Abraham? Where will he stand strong? That's the test. Abraham and Sarah had longed for a son. They had waited a long, long time for a son. God promised them a son. When Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65, they waited another 25 years after that, promised for God to keep his word, and he did. And Isaac was born to them, and Sarah laughed when she heard the news that Isaac would be born, and she laughed after he was born, and the name Isaac means laughter. And Abraham had his boy. But did Abraham still fear God? Did Yahweh still have Abraham's loyalty and affection and trust and obedience. Years before this took place, 15 years before Isaac is born, God promised Abraham a son and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and obeyed him when it meant getting what he most wanted. Will Abraham believe God and obey him when it means losing what he most wants? That's the test and it's time for a test. So Yahweh commands Abraham as we see To sacrifice his son Isaac to put him to death and then to cremate the body. We see Abraham obeying Yahweh without argument, without discussion. He obeys immediately. He gets up the next morning. They move step by step through the entire process. He would have actually slain Isaac if the Lord had not stopped him. If the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself in a pre-incarnate visit had not stopped him. He passes the test. But there's more to this story than Abraham personally as one man before God 4,000 years ago who just needs a little bit of a uh, where's where's your heart kind of test. Part of the plan God had in giving Abraham a son in promising to make Abraham the father of a nation and the father of a multitude of nations was to bring through Abraham's line the redeemer of all sinners who will be redeemed. Jesus comes through Abraham's line, the line of Abraham, the line of Isaac, the line of Jacob, the line of Judah, and on down through the line. There's a redemptive purpose the Lord uses this episode in Abraham's life to give us a prophetic picture of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. The, a picture of our own redemption. So what I want to do is just run through some of these elements before we go to Hebrews. We see a prophetic picture of redemption here. First, we see that Abraham or Isaac is called Abraham's only son three times. You saw it in verse 2. Take now your son, your only son. You saw it in verse 12. The angel says, Do nothing to him, for I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. We didn't read verse 16, but it's found there as well. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Now Ishmael is also Abraham's son. Ishmael is also Abraham's son. He's 15 years older than Isaac. Abraham had more sons, biologically speaking. After Sarah died, he remarried, and he had many more sons. Five or six are named. I assume that he had daughters as well. But spiritually, as far as the promise of God to Abraham is is concerned, Abraham has one son, just one son. We're going to see in a few minutes in the book of Hebrews that Abraham's son is called his only begotten son son i hope that phrase sounds familiar to you it's found in john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so isaac becomes a picture of the lord jesus christ second isaac is to be offered on a hill in the region of moriah now we we don't know where there, there was no land of moriah there was no king of moriah Moriah was a region, a small region, named for a, a small cluster of hills. Those cluster of hills were called Moriah. The word Moriah in Hebrew means, Hebrew means understanding. I think this is probably where Abraham came and stopped in the land and God said, this is the place. It may have even been the place where God said to Abraham, I will give you a son, and Abraham believed God. He takes Isaac to that place, three days travel, and he builds the altar and lays Isaac on the altar on Moriah, and 2,000 years later, the Lord Jesus would be crucified on one of the rises on that hill of Moriah, which is called Golgotha, that we know as Calvary. The third comparison is that death is certain. Isaac is to truly be killed. Now, we can look at the word offering as a gift or as a dedication. When Hannah, who is childless in 1 Samuel, prays to the Lord for a son, she says, If you give me a son, I will give him back to you. She didn't mean she would kill him. She's going to dedicate her son to the Lord for the rest of her life. That's not the kind of offering we have here because it's a burnt offering. With a burnt offering, the animal is killed and it is burnt to ashes. Nothing is left and nothing is eaten. In a sin offering, part of the animal is is burnt on the altar and part of the animal is roasted and the priest and the offerer eat together. For the sin offering, but the burnt offering is an offering of complete dedication to the Lord, and the whole thing is is destroyed. so Isaac was to die, and Abraham was commanded to ensure his death. Do you remember after the Lord Jesus had yielded up his spirit, a Roman soldier came along with a spear and pierced his side, probably pierced his heart, so that water and blood came out mixed together it's not water h2o it's the clear serum that serum that begins to separate out of blood when somebody dies and the blood sits and pools the fourth there were three days between the command to sacrifice isaac and abraham receiving him back in a sense by means of resurrection isaac was as good as dead he is on the altar he is bound Abraham has the knife in his hand. Three days have passed between the command and the resurrection. Fifth, Isaac carries the wood of his own sacrifice up the hill. Now, Abraham at this point is something like 115 or 120 years old. Uh, You know, I don't want to carry wood up the hill, and I'm not that old. But Isaac carries the wood for his own sacrifice, and we know that the Lord Jesus carried his own cross. 6th Abraham had the conference that uh, conference the confidence that God would provide a lamb for himself in Isaac's place I love that statement verse 8 God will provide for himself the lamb not God will provide the lamb God will provide for himself the lamb because the sacrifice of Isaac was for God's sake the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was for God's sake. He died for us in our place. He died for God to satisfy the wrath of God toward us. Jesus died for us in our place. He died for God. The father promised to provide a substitute for the redemption of his people in Isaiah 53 and elsewhere, and Jesus was that substitute. And seventh, Isaac accepts what is happening without resistance or complaint. It's it's just a strange part of the story. Isaac is old enough to walk three days. He is old enough to carry the wood of the sacrifice up the hill. And Abraham 150 and 120 years old, takes this young man strapping 15, 16 years old. He's a shepherd like his father. He works for a living. And he ties him up and he lays him on the altar and there's not a struggle, there's not a fight, there's not even an argument. I couldn't take out the trash without arguing. Isaac accepts this without arguing. I think that that's probably led some people to say, see, this is just mythology. These are just made-up stories. No, I don't think so. I think what's happening is Abraham had raised Isaac with the knowledge of Yahweh. He had raised Isaac with the knowledge of God. Abraham was an evangelist. His son believed, and when Abraham said, God has said to do this, and God has made a promise to me that he's going to make me the father of multitudes through you, and you're not yet married, you don't have children, he has a plan. Isaac said, I accept that. And likewise, Jesus was silent like a lamb. He was silent during his trial. He submitted without complaint, without resistance, without struggle. He spoke only to, to glorify God and to fulfill prophecy, but never to complain, never as a defense against what was happening to him. So God tests Abraham. Abraham passes the test. Let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 11. And see this case study of Abraham's faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 17 through 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. So there's the summary of Genesis 22. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac when he was tested, and he passed the test. And I've pointed out before, I'll continue to remind you, these stories in Hebrews 11 are case studies of faith in the real world. These are real people, these are not fictional characters. Did Abraham still fear God after getting what he most wanted? Did Yahweh still have Abraham's loyalty, affection, trust, and obedience? Did Abraham believe and obey God when obedience and faith meant the loss of what he wanted most and what he loved most? Well, Abraham offered up his only begotten son. That is emphasized for us in these verses. He who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was as though God said to Abraham, I am going to fulfill my promises through that boy, and by the way, I want you to kill that boy. Those seem to be diametrically opposed to each other. It's the ultimate test for Abraham. He never argued, he never defended, he never bickered. There was a a terrible movie called uh, The the Bible in the beginning, I think, made in the mid-60s. George C. Scott played Abraham, and I I don't know when I saw it. I saw it as a child, but I remember that when the command comes, he yells and he screams and he argues and he, he only goes with great reluctance and he's dragging because he has to do that. That's not what scripture says. But we shouldn't diminish the fact that Abraham is a real man. Not a mythological figure. He never argued, he never disobeyed the Lord, but let's not assume that it wasn't the greatest challenge he'd ever faced. And he passed the test. In faith he obeyed, he trusted God, he feared God. In spite of the rich blessing of Isaac's birth, in spite of the tremendous gift of this little boy, and all that he hoped through that child, Abraham loved God more. More than himself. More than Isaac. He loved God more than the promise. And said, even if the promise appears to be lost to me, I trust you more. But there's more that said, Abraham believed, it says, that God was able to raise people even from the dead. So he trusted that God would raise Isaac if it came to that. It wasn't a matter of, God has commanded me to kill my son, I don't know what I'm going to do for descendants now. He said, God has commanded me to kill my son, the one through whom my descendants will come. And I have no doubt that my descendants will come through through this boy. And so God is going to raise him from the dead. If he has to do that, God will raise him from the dead. He chose to believe God's eternal promise over a temporary circumstance. He chose to believe God's eternal promise over a temporary circumstance. What we saw about Sarah... And her faith applies to everybody in here, and it really should apply to us as well if our faith is genuine. Abraham trusted the person of God, not the idea of God, not the concept of God, not some religious imagination. He knew God as a person, as a divine person, but he trusted the person of God. Yahweh, the God of Noah, the God of Shem. Remember, Noah and Shem were both alive when Abraham was born. He knew them. The divine being who had created everything from nothing, Abraham fully trusted that person. Abraham trusted the power of God. There was nothing too difficult for God to do. When the Lord came to Abraham and and Sarah there at the the Oaks of Mamre Mamre, and and said, Next year, this time, I will visit you and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah laughed. The Lord said, Why did you laugh? And Sarah said, "I, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. And God said, Yeah, you laughed. And then God asks a rhetorical question. Is there anything too difficult for me? And the answer is no. And Abraham, who considers his own body to be as good as dead, and he considers the deadness of Sarah's womb, believed God and God gave them a child. In any calculation, in, in any calculation, Raising Isaac is easier because it's just Abraham now. It's not even Sarah. It's just Abraham. So Abraham trusts the power of God. As far as he was concerned, if he had slain Isaac, started the fire, and cremated Isaac to ashes, God would have raised him up out of the ashes. And Abraham trusted the character of God. God had made elaborate promises to Abraham. It wasn't just, I know how much you want a son, so I'm going to give you a son. It was, I know how much you want a son, but I have plans that you can't begin to imagine. And Abraham trusted the character of God. He had made these promises. Those promises weren't lies. Those promises weren't cruel jokes on a a man whose heart ached for a son, on a woman whose heart ached to be a mother. God wasn't teasing them. He wasn't playing games with their emotions. He wasn't being cruel. He trusted the character of God. He had a purpose in this command to slay Isaac and to offer him as a burnt offering, but the purpose didn't cancel the promise that had been made. The promise still stood. Abraham trusted the person and the power and the character of God. He acted immediately. He obeyed step by step, and we're told he received Isaac back. But he didn't just receive Isaac back as his son. He received Isaac back as a type, it says in verse 19. That is the word parabolae that we get the word parable from. Or illustration. Or picture. A type in the scriptures is a, is a, 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 a picture in a, in a form. In an object. When Jesus told parables, he told these stories that illustrated a spiritual truth. Well, Isaac was given back to to Abraham as a picture. What is he given back as a picture of? Well, Given what we've seen, we might think that Isaac is given back as a picture of Jesus. He's Abraham's only begotten son. He's to be offered within shouting distance of Calvary. He is to be truly put to death. Three days pass between the command and receiving Isaac back. Isaac carries the wood for his sacrifice. He accepted all these events without argument, without defense. We might look at that and say, see, Isaac is a type of Christ. But Isaac isn't a type of Christ. Isaac is a type of me. Isaac is a type of the sinner who is redeemed. Isaac was a type of redeemed sinners who were under God's sentence of death for sin. God commanded that Isaac die. Once God commanded Isaac die, he had to die. There had to be a death. God had said, there has to be a death. When the angel came to Abraham, when Abraham had picked up that knife and held it in his hand, the angel didn't say, okay, you can stop now, never mind, go home. The angel stopped him. Abraham turns around and he sees a ram caught by its thorns in the thicket. And he takes that ram. This is the one God had promised. God will provide him for himself a lamb. He takes that ram and he sacrifices that ram in place of his son. In place of his son. God commanded that Isaac die. There had to be a death. God has sentenced us to death because of sin. Before creation ever took place, he determined that he would create mankind. He decreed that they would be given the freedom to sin and that they would sin. And he decreed that the penalty for sin is eternal death. And there has to be a death on behalf of each and every sinner born. He also decreed before creation that his own son would be given as the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world the lamb of god slain from the foundation of the earth jesus is called the lamb of god slain from the foundation of the earth because his death was as good as accomplished before creation had ever taken place because god never fails and he never drops a promise God had determined that mankind would sin, that all sin required the death of the sinner. He determined that he would provide a lamb for himself to die in our place, but to satisfy his justice, to satisfy his wrath. That's the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And his lamb died in the place of the elect. Jesus Christ was the ram caught in the thicket. The Lord God provided him for himself. The sacrifice of Christ satisfied both God's just demand for my death and his desire to demonstrate mercy upon me, the sinner. Isaac is a type of me, bound in my sin, defenseless, on the verge of death, great puritan preacher jonathan edwards preached sinners in the hands of the angry, of an angry god and he has statements in there about god holding the unrepentant sinner above the pit of hell in the palm of his hand and the only thing that keeps that man that woman from dying and being sentenced to hell forever is is the arbitrary will of god they have no power to hold themselves they have no power to save themselves That's why Hebrews says today is the day. Today if you hear his voice. Today if you know your sin. Today if you know his grace. Trust him today. Jesus did this for me. He did this for all those who believe. Isaac is not a type of Christ. He is a type of us. So we think about bringing this home. By faith Abraham obeyed God. Because he feared God more than he feared losing Isaac. His faith in God gave him the confidence that he could and would lose nothing of what the Lord had promised him. That's the example of faith that the scripture lays before us today. By the grace of God, Abraham set God above everything else in his life. But he had to be tested. Now, God didn't test Abraham so that God could know what he thought, so that God would know what he did. God tested Abraham so Abraham would know. God tested Abraham so Abraham could say, my faith is real. My faith is not arbitrary. My dependence upon the Lord is absolute. Absolute. Back in Genesis chapter 25, as the end of Abraham's life comes about, Moses writes this. These are all the years of Abraham's life. It's verses 7 and 8. These are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived, 175 years. He lived the last 100 of those years knowing his creator, knowing Yahweh. Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man and satisfied with life. You remember that Hebrews eleven thirteen says that Abraham and all of those early believers and and all of us as well die in faith without receiving the promises. Abraham died in faith without receiving the promises. How do you die in faith without receiving the promises and yet die satisfied? You die in faith. You live in faith. You die in faith. That's how you don't receive what you most hope for and die satisfied with life. You love Jesus Christ more than anything else. You fear the Lord more than you fear anything else. You hope in Christ more than you hope in anything else. Our world and and so often The religious world in our time is aimed at getting what you want. It's aimed at having it now, having your best life now. It's aimed at your satisfaction today. Is it my way? You can have your life. You can have your dream life. Peter says your inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and reserved in heaven." Last week I made the comment, the earth is not big enough to hold the promises of God for you. The earth is not strong enough to support their weight. There is an eternal weight of glory for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. This might be a crucial moment. So let's let's just come before the Lord for a moment in prayer. Father, we see this example of Abraham's faith, this case study. And I, I think probably all of us look back at, at this man and these events, and we, we, uh, we either marvel at who he was and how much he trusted you and how much he yielded his life to you, Or we might be tempted to believe that it's kind of all been enhanced, it's all been made up a little bit. And we know that that's not true, we know that your word is telling us the truth, we know that you're not playing games with us. We know that this isn't some sort of a a multi-level marketing scheme where the the really successful people are highlighted and the... The, the thousands and ten thousands who utterly fail or never mention. Abraham was a sinner. Sarah was a sinner. Isaac was a sinner. They all needed a Savior. They were all dead in their sins without your grace. And their faith is not highlighted to us as something that's impossible for us, but rather as examples of what people in the real world did And how they trusted you and loved you. We all have things that we long for. We all have things that we have received that we would be desperate not to lose. As with Abraham, mostly people that we love. And Lord, I praise your name that you don't put us all to this same test. But I don't know that we would all pass the test as successfully as Abraham did. But we ask that you would continue to teach us. Continue to train us as your sons and daughters. Lord, if anyone is coming to the realization that they just don't love you enough to sacrifice you, uh, sacrifice for you, we ask that you would have mercy on them and soften their heart. Grant them grace. Grant them faith to believe. Others of us who might be afraid of what we could lose, Would you continue to draw us to the word? Would you continue to help us to understand that you are our shepherd? Because of that, we won't want. That you lead us, you restore us, you guide us. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't need to fear anything evil because you are with us. You correct us, you lead us, you provide for us, you bless us. And our promise, Lord, our hope is in what David says at the very end of the 23rd Psalm, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We thank you for the love that you have shown us in giving us Jesus. I I do wish, Lord, that Moses had said something about what Isaac thought after the ram was provided. But perhaps there aren't words that can define that, that kind of relief. And, Lord, I am relieved that you provided a lamb in my place. We bless you this morning. We thank you for your great and wonderful love for us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.